G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Today with Jeff Vines, author, pastor, apologist and Bible teacher with a straight-talking message from the Word. How many people in the audience think it's easy to forgive? Yeah. Even though we know it's the right thing, it is hard to do. Today with Jeff Vines. Hello and welcome. My name is Bill. Thanks for joining me on Today with Jeff Vines. And in this episode, Pastor Jeff continues his sermon about the cost of forgiveness. For us, when we choose to forgive those who hurt us, and also for Jesus, who absorbed the debt of our sin because He loves us. Let's continue with Pastor Jeff in the book of Mark, chapter 8, verse 27, here on Today with Jeff Vines. Here's what I've learned in my life, that there's a thousand things I may not ever understand because I'm not God, but it never detracts from the things I do know. And what I do know is Jesus died on the cross. He had to die so that you and I could never doubt his love again. And the cross is still the most recognizable symbol on the planet. And I believe it is because God still speaks that he loves you. He had to die so that all doubt would be removed. Now stay with me. All this kind of bills on the other. When I was a kid, I asked you this before, how many had a paper route, paper girl, paper boy, how many? The good old days, right? I had my red rider bicycle, a red rider bike, and I had two baskets on the side. And I'd fill those baskets filled with paper and I could do my paper route in my whole community like in an hour because this was the day before fences. It's when we still trusted each other. So I could ride my bicycle down the sidewalk and you didn't get a ticket for that either. You could ride it down the the, the sidewalk and just fire on the front porch. And it was fun, man. I could do it in a blast. The problem is on the weekend, the papers were bigger because it was a weekend edition and you could roll those suckers up and put a rubber band. They were like little missiles. You could hurt children with these things. And so you had to be careful where you throw them. And on one particular Saturday, I was trying to finish my paper route so I could get to the baseball game. And I was in a hurry. Now you always had two or three homes that just didn't cooperate very well. You know, you'd have to walk upstairs and they had said, now, young man, I want my paper delivered on my front porch by this time. And so I'd have to get off my bike, put the kickstand down. The bike would start to turn over because all the weight of the paper, and I have to set it in the proper position, walk up the stairs, drop the paper, and then go on. And that just took too much time. On this particular day, I was in a hurry. So I didn't want to walk up the steps. So I took a chance and I took the paper and I threw it up onto the porch. Now I meant to go low and away, but I delivered it high and tight and I broke the window. And because I knew I was going to be your senior pastor one day, I did what was right. I got my bike and fled, just fled, ran away. 
Now, on Sunday, all day in church on Sunday, I was feeling guilty because I had violated something. So on Monday morning, I went back to the lady, walked up the stairs, and I said, I'm so sorry, but I broke your window as if she didn't know the papers there and the glass everywhere. <laughs> now, listen, at that point, she had one of two choices. This is difficult, but we can do this together. She can either make me pay $25 because she told me that's what it cost. Or she could absorb the loss herself and pay the $25. Those are her two choices. Or she could not replace the window and be cold in the wintertime. Either way, somebody's going to pay, me or her, monetarily, or there's going to be a lot less heat in the wintertime. Now, that same principle works beyond an economic level too, doesn't it? I was at Target two weeks ago. It's a busy weekend. I'm like in this position to where I'm about to get a great parking place. Now, I run three to six miles, three days a week, but I am not going to walk a long way to go to Target. And so I parked my car here. There's a guy that's taking his time to get out, but I've been waiting. My signal's been on. Finally, he comes out, and guess what happens? A red sports car darts around the corner and goes right in the parking space. I'm so mad. Does that make you mad? I mean, I wanted to rebuke him in the name of Jesus. You'd have been proud of me. I did not rebuke him, but I did do what I said. I went like that, and that makes you feel better. You just go like that, and you go on. (laughs) Now, here's the problem. When somebody robs you of an opportunity, of happiness, of your reputation because they spread lies and slander about you, that hurts, and it creates in you, whether you're willing to admit it or not, a sense of debt. You feel like you've been violated and the person owes you something. And at that point, you have one of two choices. The first choice is you can make them pay. Now, I know there's no one in here that's ever done that. Some people, though, just I hear word on the street is some people, though, when violated, they set their minds on destroying the other person with uncanny creativity, with ruining their reputation by masterminding a plan, by hoping that they suffer slowly. And by dreaming up ways to bring destruction. The problem is if you've lived life long enough, you know that if you choose that path, that sooner or later you end up becoming just like the person who violated you. You wake up one morning and realize that you're more hard, more bitter, more cold than you ever imagined you could be. And you're carrying around this disease that's infecting everybody around you. So it's really not an option. There's a second option, but pastors seldom talk about the second part of the second option. The second option is to forgive. But here's my question. How many people in the audience think it's easy to forgive? Yeah. How many believe it's hard to forgive? Even though we know it's the right thing, it is hard to do. Now, just so you know that my life is no different than yours, that we're all in this together, I want to tell you a story quickly because your families are not the only ones that are dysfunctional. And I can tell this story because everyone involved is dead now. (laughs) When my mother died, my grandmother came over to my house. And my three brothers and I were on the front porch of our home in Tennessee. Now, my grandmother and her family, I just got to tell you, now that they're all gone, they were the most greedy people you could ever imagine. They would sit around waiting on their relatives to die to go pilfer through the stuff. And you're saying, that's impossible. I thought my family was the most greedy. No, it's mine. (laughs) My grandmother comes over. Now, this is the grandmother we had spent Christmas Eves with. We had played baseball, wiffle ball in her yard. We had spent much time with, and my parents had taken us there. My mom has died. My dad is ill. My grandmother comes over. My mother's mother comes to our house on the front porch 
And she says, there's a few things I want to get that belong to your mom. And my older brother said, well, that's, that's fine, grandma. No problem there. But it's just been one day after the funeral. Will you allow us to go through some grieving and then we'll have a time to meet and we'll sort through some things. And my grandmother looked my older brother in the eye and said, well, you boys mean nothing to me now that your mother's dead. Now, it did not hurt me as much as it did my other brothers because I've been out of the country most of my life. But my older brother was devastated. And I saw the look on his face. I want to tell you, I was so mad. And I thought of all the things that I could say. I wanted revenge. I went from hurt to anger in about 0.6 seconds. And I can't remember to tell the truth, which of these I said out loud and which I just thought. You ever, you ever thought something and you realize, I actually said that out loud. That probably wasn't smart. <laughs> Have you ever done that? And I, I, I think, I don't know which one of these I said, but I know I thought them all. Well, oh yeah, well, I never enjoyed your cooking anyway, grandma. <laughs> and I never enjoyed picking those green beans in the hot summer of July. Never enjoyed that either. And by the way, just for the record, I never liked your mustache either. <laughs> I can't remember which of those I said out loud and which of those I kept to myself. The point is, when your boss offends you or your coworker says something or a family member, I promise you, most of us dream of revenge. That's why we like Schwarzenegger movies. But here's what is seldom realized. Make no mistake. When you forgive, it costs you something. True forgiveness always entails suffering. It does. It's the right thing to do. But when somebody has wronged you, somebody has to pay. The debt does not just vanish. The irony, of course, of all that is this, that only when you truly forgive and pay the price of forgiveness and bear the cost or the weight of it, only when you absorb the debt can reconciliation occur. Because if you go to somebody and confront them with vengeance and you say things like, why did you do this? You should have not done that. Why did you do this? I forgive you for all the stupid stuff you did. Then they look right through that and they know that you're not after reconciliation. What you're after is revenge. And they will ignore you. They'll see right through it. They'll reject it. And the cycle of retaliation will be perpetuated. Alternatively, you can confront them with gentleness. But you can only do that if you've already paid the price of forgiveness. If you've already absorbed the debt and you've truly forgiven them, then they will see that too and reconciliation can happen. I didn't say it would always happen because there's some pretty rough people. There's some really hard people in the world, but that's the only way it can happen when you use terms like we can get past this, we can move on, we can forgive and love each other. Okay, Pastor Jeff, got it. What does that have to do? Why did Jesus have to die? Here's what the Bible teaches. The only way that God can pardon us and reconcile us back to himself and not judge us is to go to the cross and absorb the debt into himself. The Bible says the core of the gospel is that the only way you and I can be forgiven, the only way God can forgive the sins of the human race is to suffer. You pay or I'll pay. The debt does not just go away. Somebody must absorb the debt and God says, I'll absorb it on your behalf. The wages of sin, death, but I'll pay the price for you on your behalf. Why? Because I love you. That's the gospel. Somebody says, well, Jeff, I don't think I'm really that bad a sinner. Now, come on. I'm so bad that God has to absorb the debt in the death of his son. Let me ask you a question. You ever told a lie? You know what the Bible says that makes you? A liar. You ever slandered about somebody, said bad things about somebody else? You know what the Bible says that is? That, that means you're a slanderer. Have you ever coveted what somebody else had? You know what the Bible says that makes you? A coveter. 
All sin, the Bible says, ultimately is not against each other, but God, because all of us are created in the image of God and God loves us. And when we offend or wound somebody, we offend or wound him. And there's a debt to be paid. And the reason Jesus had to die is one, so that you would never doubt again the measure of his love. And two, so that you would understand that this debt that you owe God has been paid. So Jesus says, I must suffer. Now there's a third reason quickly. And to do that, I need to take you back to the Old Testament sacrificial system. Do you remember the sin offering? A sin offering was when you'd bring a spotless lamb to the altar. Now it had to be spotless because if it wasn't spotless, it would have to pay for its own debt, metaphorically speaking. So a spotless lamb would be brought. This was really a gruesome scene. The fat, the flesh, the legs, the head, and even the inward parts and everything else must be burned outside the inner course of the temple. And it's vivid and graphic. And then the blood would be sprinkled on the altar because the blood represents that a life has been given. And then you could enter into the presence of God. Now stay with me for a moment. Why? Why is that really necessary? there's this gruesome scene. Why would God say, I want you to bring an animal and chop its head off and the blood runs down on the altar and you take the rest of it and burn it throughout the camp? I don't know how it went in America, but when Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion came out, the biggest argument in New Zealand was whether or not the movie accurately portrayed history. And I don't know if you saw the movie, but the scourging scene was graphic. It's why it received an R rating. The problem is, it was true to history. When the Pope was asked that question, I loved his reply. It was simple, firm, and accurate. He said, when asked, was this an accurate representation of what happened to Jesus? And his response, it is as it was. We forget that Roman scourging was horrific because the Roman lictor would have taken Jesus and tied his hands to a post jutting about three feet out of the ground. He would have taken two whips. The first whip would have seven leather strands into sockets, which would contain metal balls. And the lictor, the Roman lictor would take that whip and lay it on the back of Jesus until he was bruised, severely bruised from the top of the torso to the bottom of the torso. And then a second Roman lictor would take another whip with seven strands leading into sockets that were filled with chips of bone, very sharp, designed to lay on the back of Jesus and then extract flesh as it's pulled away. Scourging was called halfway death because most people died before they ever made it to the cross. You also take into account that when they crucified Jesus to the tree, they didn't put the nails here. They put them here through the median nerve. That was so painful that they came up with another word called excruciating, which means out of the cross because there was no word to describe the pain of the cross. Take all of that into consideration and add it to the reality that when Jesus prayed in the garden of Gethsemane, that this cup would pass from him. The Bible says that he experienced, does Luke, who is a physician in Luke chapter 22, that Jesus experienced something called hematidrosis, which is an actual medical condition where you're so filled with anxiety that blood starts to seep into the sweat glands. So it's not myth. It's not legend. It's a medical reality. The problem with that is when you experience that and anxiety is to that level for the next 24 to 48 hours, your skin is super sensitive to touch 
And then Jesus goes through the scourging and the beating and the crown of thorns and the crucifixion. So vivid, so gruesome and gross. Why? Okay, Jesus had to die, but why not just jump off a cliff? Why not just suffocate yourself? Why the cross? Here's the reason. The same reason God established the Old Testament sacrificial system. So that you and I, when we see the crucifixion, would see the horrors of our own sin and what is required to forgive them. That you and I, sin is a laughing matter, but all sin wounds somebody God loves. And he wanted the Old Testament people and the New Testament and us today to notice that sin is so serious that it requires a life to be forgiven before a cosmic creator. Why did Jesus have to die? So that you would know he loves you. So that you would know he's absorbed the cost of your debt. And so that you would know sin is a serious matter. And it puts us in a predicament where we are the objects of the wrath of a holy God unless he does something drastic. And he did. He sent his son to die the death so that we could go free. Now, here's what's happening. Jesus is saying to Peter, Peter, you're right, I'm a king, but I'm a king who's going to suffer. And then this is how he finishes it. And this is how we truly know Jesus truly is radical. He says in verse 34, then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Now stay with me. This is the end, but focus, focus. You've done so well. I'm so proud of you. Adriana, she says, Pastor Jeff, I keep having this dream. And every time I dream, God says to me, don't worry. It's almost time. I have a special place prepared just for you, Adriana. Adriana's faith. She's only 15 years old. She's been fighting this disease for three years in hospital. I have never once heard her complain or accuse God of something bad. Not one single time. Do you know Adriana's attitude? Hey, it's not like I deserved life. Life was a gift. I belong to God. He has the right to do with me whatever he decides. Because in the end, I will win anyway. (laughs) There's going to be a time later that Jesus takes Peter aside. In John chapter 21, verse 18, and he's going to put his arm around Peter and he's going, Peter, I got to talk to you. What, Lord? Peter, right now, every day you get up and you gird yourself, you put a coat on and you put a belt on and you go wherever you want to go. But Peter, soon... Somebody else is going to dress you and they're going to lead you where you do not want to go and you're going to stretch out your hands for the glory of God. That Greek phrase in extra biblical literature means to be crucified. Peter's about 20 years old at this point and Jesus is telling him, the day's going to come when you're going to die for me. What, God? What? what? You're not going to rescue? No, you're going to die and your death is going to is going to water the seed of the church and it's going to explode with growth when people see the measure of your faith. And it did. And in AD 64, Nero found Peter and crucified him. And when Peter was crucified, he requested that he be crucified upside down because he did not feel he was worthy to be crucified in the same manner of his Lord. Peter's learning something though. That's John 21. We're still in Mark. And Peter's learning 
He thought he was going to use Jesus for his agenda. And Jesus is teaching him, no, Peter, I'm using yours for mine. And most of us in this room come to Jesus and we think we're going to use him to help us get what we really want. He's going to help me get that job promotion. He's going to help me get that girl, that guy, that family. He's going to help me have children. And there is a sense in which that is true. But most of us use Jesus to help us get what we think will save us. When you come to the king, folks, which is what Jesus is, you cannot make him a means to an end. When you come to the king, you can't come to him negotiating. You come to the king and you lay your sword down and you say, here I am, command me. And whatever you say, I'll do. That's kingship. You can't come to the king negotiating and saying, I'll serve you and follow you if you do these things. Then that's not acknowledging his authority nor his kingship. And that would be hard except for one small gigantic truth. Yeah, he's king, but he's the king who died for you. See, if he's only king, then you would serve and obey him out of fear. But if he's the king who went to the cross and died for you, then you'll serve and worship him because you know he loves you and you can trust him. And ultimately, you know that his greatest joy is your joy. And if you trust, obey, and follow him, he will lead you into that joy. But it requires trust. And that's what Adriana has figured out that some of the rest of us have not. Adriana said that her last wish, and she wants you to know this, is for all of you to have the faith and trust in God that she has. That's her desire. That you would say, here I am, God. All my stuff, all my talents, everything I have belongs to you. You're the king, and you're the king who died so that I could live. Father, I thank you for the power of Mark of the gospel of Mark. And I, I pray in Jesus' name that our eyes would have been open. Father, I pray that we would come to a point where we would recognize how good you are and what you've done that we might come into relationship. That the God of this universe might transform us from the inside out. And that our goals would become your goals and our objectives, your objectives. And whatever whatever your desire for our life is would become our desire. And we would truly be able to say, as Jesus did, not my will, but yours be done. And as Adriana has said in her life, here I am, command me, God, and I will follow. I pray that your spirit would hover over this place, that you would move. And the, the gospel message is good news of the gospel has been preached, that you would inspire, that you would convict and transform in Jesus' name. Amen. That's the end of Pastor Jeff's message for today, a message called Dying to Live, about forgiveness and putting others first. There is more to come in this series, more from the book of Mark. Here's some of what's to come. If you don't determine what your life is about, I'm telling you, life is going to be disappointing and you're going to live with chronic discontent. Today with Jeff Vines. For more from Pastor Jeff, head to vision.org.au forward slash Jeff Vines. Today with Jeff Vines. 
Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.